0: In John chapter four, Jesus describes the kind of worshipers the father seeks. Verses 23 and 24. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Now for the next few minutes, stay tuned to worship in spirit and truth with pastor Jeff Scoggins.
1: Father in heaven, thank you uh, for the tremendous gift that you gave us in your word. As we look into the book of Ezekiel, like the other prophets, can be a little bit difficult to understand sometimes. I pray that we would be enlightened by your spirit, that you would help us to understand what you need us to understand. Touch each heart here this morning, and touch my mind as well, in Jesus' name. Amen. The prophet Ezekiel spent a lot of years predicting Israel's demise, which is not a fun thing either for the prophet or the listeners. I mean, you will never find a prophet that enjoyed giving their their message. If you do, you found a false prophet, unless it's good stuff. I mean, the, the bad messages that they had to give. Well, those terrible things that Ezekiel had predicted for so long eventually came to pass. And Israel was conquered by their feared enemy, Babylon. And the people were carried away by the enemy. Ezekiel carried along with them. Now, after that point, the messages that God began to send his people through Ezekiel took on an entirely different tone. Before it had been all gloom and doom, return to me or this terrible stuff is going to happen. But after the terrible things happened, the prophecies that we read in the, the second half of Ezekiel, we might call them hang in there prophecies. God wanted his people to have the courage to bear up under the trials because those difficulties were the very things that were changing their hearts and bringing them back to God. So Ezekiel shared with them, or God shared with them, how he was going to to change their situation, how he was going to restore their relationship. God gave Ezekiel and his people glimpses of a glorious future that awaited them after the discipline had run its course. For so the discipline had run its course. And just as we must realize that the difficult passages of the prophecies are meant for us, as well as meant for ancient Israel, in the same way, we need to understand that these, these hang-in-there prophecies are meant for us as well. Even today, we have to bear up under the discipline Of the Father who loves us enough to discipline us. In Revelation chapter 3 verse 16 he says those whom I love I rebuke and discipline. And because he loves us so much God doesn't want to lose us forever. Which makes sense. So if there is no other way he is still willing. As he was back then, he is still willing to allow us to suffer sometimes in order to draw us to him so that he won't lose us forever. If difficult and hurtful things are happening to you, understand that God doesn't waste those circumstances, they are far too valuable in getting our attention, in helping us to comprehend, to understand what is really, truly important in life. God does not waste those hurting times. But God does not just allow us to fall victim to painful circumstances and then leave us to fend for ourselves. That's not what a loving father does. It's during such difficult times that the hang in there prophecies are so encouraging to us today we're going to look at one of those encouraging prophecies where God said to his people essentially anyway hang in there I am near and I'm going to change everything for you as soon as you recognize the danger in the life choices that you've been making I'm going to change it for you as soon as you recognize the danger you've been in. This prophecy is probably one of the most famous of all of Ezekiel's prophecies. A lot of people have heard about this one. And here's what has happened. Turn in your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 37 and just keep them there. That's where we're going to spend our time today. And begin in verse verse 1 of chapter 37. Ezekiel 1.37. Right in the middle of your Bible. Well, that's a little more than halfway. Two-thirds through your Bible. The book of Ezekiel. verse 1 the hand of the Lord was upon me and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and he set me in the middle of a valley it was full of bones now this was in vision God didn't take Ezekiel there physically because by this time Ezekiel was in Babylon along with the rest of the exiles the valley that God took him to envision was the valley of Topheth. And this was a significant valley because it was in this valley that Israel had sacrificed their children in the fire to this false god Moloch. And of all of the horrific pagan practices they participate in, one gets the feeling that, from reading the prophets anyway, that this one is what made God the most angry and you know we can understand that we can we can identify with why that might be this valley was full of bones it wasn't just a few bones here and there there were bones everywhere i imagine maybe piles of bones in this valley verse 2 he being god led me back and forth among them and i saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley bones that were very dry. So go ahead and build a picture of this in your mind. God takes Ezekiel to this valley. It's full of bones. He allows him to roam around and explore it. And Ezekiel notes the great number of bones. He also notes that they were not fresh bones. They were dry, bleached in the sun, life brittle. Life was long, long gone from these bones. Now, God allows all of this to sink into into Ezekiel's psyche. And then he asks him a question in verse 3. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? And Ezekiel said, I said, O sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them... Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you, and make flesh come upon you, and cover you with skin. I will put life in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Okay, that's what Ezekiel was supposed to say. That's all right. Ezekiel was used to this. God would give him things to say. He would say it. Now, he was usually talking to live people, not bones, but no matter. So I imagine him perhaps climbing up on a pile of bones to speak to the valley of bones. So he climbs up on top of the bones. And he says, verse 5 again, This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I wonder if he felt silly doing this. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Go on to verse 7. So I prophesied as I was commanded. He did what he was told. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling around, and the bones came together, bone to bone. So maybe Ezekiel was not standing on a pile of bones. Because if he was, he would have had to get down quickly and find a clear space to stand. Because the the entire valley floor began to move and rattle and make noise as the bones began to jump. And the ankle bone connected to the foot bone, right? And the leg bone connected to the ankle bone and so on. Verse 8. I looked... And tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Ezekiel got to watch this recreation. It was the reverse of what had happened when they died and decomposed, right? He got to watch this. The bones came together. Organs grew inside of the ribcage. Can you imagine watching this? Then muscles appeared on the bones. And then flesh and skin grew over them. Where there had been stacks of bones, now there were stacks of people. But they were, even though they were looking pretty good, they were still dead, still lifeless. As God, at creation, God created man carefully, lovingly. He he formed man. But the man still lay there, lifeless. Until he breathed into him the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So, verse 10 So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say, Our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. The Israelite captives in Babylon were mourning their situation. God has abandoned us, they said. We have no hope. We're as good as dead. But what they didn't recognize, what they didn't realize, is that they were misreading the situation. They had it all wrong. The whole terrible scenario was part of God's plan. He didn't cause it. But he allowed it because he knew that he could make it work for the eternal good of his people. The people couldn't see it. But God was in action. God was at work. These trials and this suffering that they were facing was the best thing that could happen to them. They couldn't see it. But God could see it. God wasn't punishing them so much as He was disciplining them. And you know the difference, right? God wasn't lashing out in anger or completely abandoning them. God was conscripting into His service the pain of His people. You hear that? You know what conscripting means? To take it by force? God was conscripting. He was taking by force into his service the pain of his people in order to work changes in them that would in fact in the end rescue them from the disastrous course that they had set for themselves he just needed the people to hang in there while the suffering did its work in them verse 12 therefore prophesy and say to them this is what the Sovereign Lord says. O my people. Hear the heart of God in this. O my people. I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. I'm going to restore you. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you and you will live. And I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. God informed the people time and time again that the entire problem in the first place was that they no longer knew him. But after this, they would know him. That was the big problem. They no longer knew him. And when the Bible speaks of knowing, it's speaking of relationship. Intimate relationship. They had stopped living their lives with God, and they were living alone. They were living by themselves and for themselves and God did not create us to live alone. Remember at creation He said, it is not good for man to be alone and so He created Eve. How much more would He say when we've left Him that it is not good for man to be alone when we attempt to live without Him our only source of life. In order to live We must live with God and know that He is God and know that in this relationship is the only way that we have life. Without that, we are nothing but dry, brittle bones. In reading the Bible, especially the New Testament, you will quickly come to realize that when it speaks of death, it's speaking in spiritual terms. Jesus confused the disciples over and over again when He he called death but something that was spiritual when it was physical death he called it sleep to be dead physically is no big deal why because with a single word god can change that situation live and we're alive again Physical death is no big deal. But to be dead spiritually is a very big deal. Why? Because God will not force the spiritually dead to become spiritually alive. That is a decision that each one of us makes on our own. We choose whether we live or die spiritually. In Ezekiel's vision, the house of Israel, who would receive this this message here, the bones, they were physically alive. The reason they were in their particular situation is because they were spiritually dead. Their relationship with God had been neglected to the point that it had almost vanished, and they were spiritually speaking dry, brittle bones. And because of this choice that they had made, whether they admitted it or not, because of this choice they had made to die spiritually, they were suffering, and they felt they had no hope of ever being restored, which is the way we often feel when we come face to face with the reality of the way that we've lived our lives so far. Oh, you know, many of us do give God the minimum He requires. We give Him His one day a week, And his 10% tithe. But even ancient Israel did that. The problem is, God says, that we don't know him. It's possible to give him the minimum and not know him. We can say the proper words concerning our relationship. But the reality of it is, is that many of us are clueless about what this business of relationship with God is all about anyway. It's pretty jargon. They're meaningless words. We don't know God. If we did know, we wouldn't have the division, the disunity, the anger, the resentment, the bickering. Sometimes the outright fighting. We wouldn't have that. Those things are clear evidence of, that we, our lives, spiritually speaking, are dry, brittle bones. That's the evidence. We are captives in a faraway land to character weaknesses we can't even control. We feel empty, or maybe anxious, or maybe angry, or maybe helpless. Seems like we have no hope. And as a result of our choices, we suffer. We're stressed. We're diseased. We're destroying our health. We struggle financially. We struggle in our marriages. We struggle with our children. We don't even recognize that God is using this suffering to change us. At least that's what He wants it to do. So since those whom God loves, He disciplines It is entirely possible. I might even say it's probable that that's what's happening in your painful situation. God has tried other ways to get our attention, but when those don't work, He is willing to do something more drastic because He is not willing to let you go. He is not willing to let you go. 2 Corinthians admonishes us, and you may know this one, Therefore, do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being what? Renewed day by day for our... What kind of troubles? Do you know this verse? For our light and momentary troubles... You hear that? Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us a glory that far outweighs them all. Somebody say amen. 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 So hang in there. God's discipline comes with promise. He can make the dry bones of your spiritual life Come together and put flesh on it. He can make it real. And then He will breathe into your life, your spiritual life, His breath, His spirit, and you will become a living soul once more. Remember, those bones were dry and brittle. They had been dead an awfully long time. And yet God just as easily brings them to life as the dirt that he brought to life in the first place. You are not too far gone. You're not. There's hope. The fact that we're at church today does not make us spiritually alive. You know that, right? The fact that we call ourselves Christians does not make us spiritually alive. One thing and one thing only makes a person alive spiritually and that is a one-on-one constant relationship with Jesus Christ. That's it. When you abide in him and he abides in you and we throw those, around, those words around really easily, too easily, really. We've heard them so often we don't even know what they mean. And they really confuse someone who's walked through the doors from the street and they've never heard them before. You know? abide in him and he abided what does that mean what does that mean how can you abide in someone and have them abide in you how do you have a relationship with somebody you can't see truth is we make it way too complicated way too complicated we think that because God is God that somehow everything is different in the way that we understand relationship humanly speaking that is false. It's not different. Except maybe in some positive ways. We have been created in God's image. That means the same way that we maintain a relationship with another person is the same way that we maintain a relationship with God. It's the same thing. Understand that God is a person. A divine person, to be sure. But a person... Nonetheless, we are created in his image. Even when I'm away from my wife, we continue to be in a relationship. She abides in my heart, and I abide in hers. Everybody understands that. Why is it so hard to understand with God? Everybody understands that. My thoughts are with her often throughout the day. I talk to her by phone throughout the day. I think of ways... That I can please her, even while I'm away. And she thinks of the same for me. We have things in common that are important to both of us, like our kids. Those things bind us together, don't they? The bottom line is that we love each other. And so we find ways to keep the relationship going, even when we're separated. Works the same way with God. Works exactly the same way with God. He is in you. You are in Him the same way. You think of each other throughout the day. You imagine ways to please each other. Imagine God in heaven saying, How could I please Peter today? How could I please David today? And when's the last time that you did the same thing for him? How could I please God today? We find things in common together. One of the main things of which would be our brothers and sisters, his children. Those things bind us together. The bottom line is love. The bottom line is love. That's what makes us maintain a relationship even when we're apart. It's actually easy to do once you're in love. You get real creative about the ways that you maintain that relationship. And guess what? God already loves us that way. All that's needed is our response. That's it. We must return His love. That is when dry bones come to life. So, do all of you piles of dry bones out there end up here, do you have it in you? David? shaking his head. Good. What do dry bones have in them? Nothing. nothing. Absolutely nothing. Can we love God that way? No, we can't. In Ezekiel's vision, who brought the bones to life? God did. Romans 5.5 5 says that he pours his love into our hearts through his Holy Spirit. Like everything else in this relationship, it's a gift from God. So what do you think? Do you want it? Do you really want it? It'll change your life. You will find yourself being disciplined because God knows that you need it. But hang in there hang in there. He is going to bring your dry bones to life. He is going to help you love Him. All you have to do is accept the gift and then be loyal and obedient as He does His good work in you. Amen. Father in Heaven, we're sorry that we're dry, brittle bones. But we take so much hope in the fact that you are all-powerful and that you can create from dirt or bones new life in you. I pray that that we would see the things that we face, the, the light and momentary troubles as light and momentary in comparison to the glory that far outweighs them all, that you are working through those things in us. I pray that we would see your discipline as a blessing, that we would welcome it, and that we would draw nearer to you quickly so that the discipline can run its course and we can be restored to the relationship that you intended for us from the beginning. Thank you, in Jesus' name.
0: Thank you for joining Pastor Jeff Scoggins today for worship in spirit and truth. We would love to hear your thoughts about the program and your financial support is also greatly appreciated so that we can continue bringing you these kinds of programs. Tell your friends they can find the program Spirit and Truth right here on this station. Stay tuned for contact information and more details from your local station to follow. Until next time, keep your mind fixed on Jesus.
1: This is Pastor Jeff Scoggins. Thank you for listening to Spirit and Truth. Often listeners contact me or the station wanting to know how to get a copy of a specific program or more information. All of these programs are archived as podcasts, and many of them are on video as well. You can find relevant links at my website, www.scoggins.biz. You will also find books and Bible study resources there as well. So if you didn't get to hear one of these programs all the way through or missed one in a series, you can find it by visiting scoggins.biz. That's S-C-O-G-G-I-N-S dot B-I-Z.